Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Jamie Day is the author of The Block Party, a novel. Julie Chavez guest hosted this episode. She is the author of Everyone But Myself, which comes out from Zibby Books in 2024, January, and hosts Ask a Librarian podcast. Jamie Day lives in one of those picture-perfect coastal New England towns you see in the movies. And just like the movies, Jamie has two children and an adorable dog to fawn over. When not writing or reading, Jamie enjoys yoga, the ocean, cooking, and long walks on the beach with the dog or the kids, or sometimes both. Jamie, thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to talk about your book. I'm so excited you're here. Well, thank you so much. It is really a thrill and pleasure to be here. 
I am excited because I read the block party yesterday. You should know that I was walking around the house with it in my left hand while I was doing things. I read it cover to cover. I loved it. I was so, it was, the word, after I finished reading it, I thought, okay, how do I sum this up? Because it's sometimes hard for me, especially with a book like this. I don't want to give too much away. This book was satisfying. Oh, I don't know if there's higher praise. Oh, good. One time, somebody once said highly readable about a, a book of mine. And, and I thought, is that praise highly readable? And then I thought, mm. it actually it is. It's really what I, you know, that's the goal. You know, the goal yes. is not to make you work hard. The goal is to entertain, enthrall, captivate your imagination, and just keep you turning the pages going, what's going to happen next? You know, so so it's really high praise to to say at the end of that journey, you know, and I don't, and I don't take, I never take it for granted. I always think, you know, I'm asking you to spend an awful lot of time with something that came out of my my head. Sure. And I never take that for granted. So I always think about, you know, I want you to have, what's the experience I want you to have? And satisfied and satisfying is is just a terrific, terrific description of what I'd be after, a terrific word for what I'm after. So thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. And you definitely achieved it. It was so interestingly expressed and woven and I was invested. I mean, there's just so much to talk about today without even giving anything away. So, and I have to say, I typically can see things coming and this one had a lot of twists that I didn't see coming. So I think people are going to, and I know, I think it was Sally Hepworth that said people will devour this book and that's how I felt about it. Yeah, this is what I'm hoping this is your summertime. Yes. Poolside, good time read. And that is exactly what I was after. And yeah, you know, it's it is it's a bit of a magic trick. I mean, that's that's part of the that's part of the craft where you're you're really trying to create something that says, can I play fair and lead you in certain directions that give you all the answers? So everything's there for you. But yet you you'd still struggle to put it all together at the very end. And so that's that's the crafty part. That's the magic trick part. And so uh, that's and honestly, that's really part of the fun for me as a writer. That's such a good way to put it. It is a magic trick because the best books, you don't see the magician. You don't see the author necessarily. I mean, of course, in like memoir, but in a novel, there is sort of this disappearing act. And you definitely pulled it off because Also, what's interesting about this book is the way that you wove the perspectives, because some is written in the first person and some is written in the third person. Right. And And there's a reason for that. There's a very, there's a very good reason that I made that choice, which I could, I could, I could tell you. I would love to hear that. Yeah. I thought you were going to just dangle that in front of me and be like, and I'm not telling. No, this is one that I'm going (laughs) to reveal. This is a magician trick I'll reveal. So, so, uh, Letty. Mm-hmm. is the character that was first person. So Letty is a teenager. She's a high school senior or rising senior, I guess is what they they say. She's going into her final year in high school. Okay. Book opens really in the, the summertime and she is suspended from school for something that she did. And, and she's just, it's really the start of her journey. And I love, you know, the name Letty, by the way, I, this is kind of a fun story. I don't think that name actually exists. So I sat down to kind of write the book and I'm like, well, I got to name this character. What's her name? And Letty Mm -hmm. pops into my head. And I'm like, is that even a name? I think it should be a name. Is there anybody named Letty? And I I really couldn't 
find the origin of the name Letty. I couldn't find, I don't think there's a lot of people named Letty. Right. Or maybe, you know, maybe it, it is, but it's not a very popular name. If so, and so I gave her this backstory of her, her given name is Elizabeth, but she couldn't pronounce it as a young kid. So she called herself Letty Beth, Letty Beth. And then it just stuck as Letty. And the thing about Letty is, you know, as a teenager, what is she saying versus what is she thinking? And I have a teenage daughter. And oftentimes uh, she speaks in monosyllabic kinds of, I believe some of them are words, some of them are noises. (laughs) And, you know, I kind of can interpret them. I can know what she's saying always. And I can see the hidden meaning in and I have to study kind of facial expressions and eyebrow twitches and all that. And I can, I can see what she's trying to say, but every now and again, she just kind of opens up mm-hmm. and she gives me this peek into her inner world. And it's profoundly complex and it's so much deeper than I realized. And it's so much more aware and insightful mm-hmm. and magical in a lot of ways and i'm just sometimes in awe of what she knows what what's going on on you know behind the curtain if you will yes and so i realized if i'm going to tell the story letty's story i have to be able to give you the kind of the verbal letty but also give you that inner world and it's really hard to do the inner world if you're not in that character's head so that's why i chose to write her first person and for her mother who's the other main protagonist alex you know, she's got her own struggle. She's really struggling with, with alcohol. Mm-hmm. And that that automatically removes you a little bit from your own experience. The alcohol does. And so from that standpoint, I really wanted the alcohol to kind of represent a barrier between Alex and herself. And mm-hmm. so that barrier is why I said, you know, I could tell her story in third person, Letty's in first. And, and I think that's the right thing for this book. I am amazed to hear that. And just listening to you talk about it, I'm like, well, yeah, that's absolutely the way it needed to be done. I'm so impressed. And you're exactly right. Teenagers, they're so inscrutable, but their world underneath is so much, you know, it's like we talk about things like puppy love, right? Or teen, whatever, but you you forget it's so real, so intense, their world is. But you're right. They are, they're cagey. Those are great words. Inscrutable, cagey, excellent, excellent word choices. And the thing that I didn't want to do is I didn't want to kind of downplay her. So sometimes, sometimes people will read, maybe they'll read her character and say, oh, well, she's, she's too mature for a teenager. And I would just counter that by saying, you don't know the teenagers in her world. You don't know how smart they are. You don't know how adult they actually are. Most of the non-adultness of a teen manifests in behavior Mm -hmm. where you you would kind of say, oh, well, I I wouldn't have done that. And then there's some pieces that are, you know, emotional immaturity. Yes. Their ability to process and analyze and interpret and intuit is is as strong as, as an adult's, I believe. It's just not as mature. Mm, that makes sense. They're still sharpening those tools. They're sharpening. They have them all. Yes. All there. And so I don't, I didn't want to kind of downplay her or make her less than. And so I I put some care into giving her both that, that sharp adult view of the world, but yet to your, the way you put it, the, the, the tool isn't quite as sharp as it, as it's going to be. She's just in that phase of figuring it out. 
You did such a great job with that. And also the relationship between Letty and Alex and the ways that they both make themselves visible to each other and hide from each other. And then how that interacts with the rest of what's happening around them. It's just masterfully done. And to your earlier point, when you were saying it's readable, it is readable. And that's the reason I was able to just go through it so quickly. And that's not a, yay, I took your your wonderful life work and read it super fast, but it was more just like, I wanted to keep turning the pages. And I love when I can read smooth like that. Your writing is very smooth, but also very thoughtful. So it, it was, I think it's going to be a great poolside read. That's what we want. Yes. And and that really was the, the mission of the book is the writing, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan, you know, full disclosure, I think Leanne Moriarty is amazing. So she is the writer of Big Little Lies, yes. Perfect Strangers. She, what she can do that I admire and want to emulate, honestly, is yeah. she she can do so much with so little, and it's really hard to do. I think it was Stephen King who said, "I would have written you a." Or maybe it wasn't Stephen King. Maybe I just am ascribing it to him. I don't know who said it, but I would have written you a. Uh, a shorter letter, but I didn't have time. <laughs> it was kind of the... That's so true. It, it's really a tricky part of the craft to be able to express complex interpersonal relationships, dynamics, emotions, and what have you, simply, quickly, effectively, and to convey a lot with a little. And that always is impactful for, for a reader. So that was a mission of mine in, in this book. And uh, so I'm glad to hear that it seems like mission accomplished. I don't ever want to say that, but it seems like you, you, you picked up on something that was very important to me as the writer. I'm so glad it was, I mean, it was obvious there on the page and it's funny you say that because I did think this does have, I would recommend it to someone that liked big little lies because that's always my go-to when somebody says, recommend me a book. I'm like, well, tell me when you liked. And so I would completely put this in that wheelhouse. So the other, the other piece I would say it's, it's almost combines big little lies with desperate housewives. It does have desperate housewives vibe. Oh man. I binge watched that season when my first son was an infant. So I have very fond memories of desperate housewives. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's it's just this fun. It's just that tone, that kind of hearted tone. And, you know, I'll, I'll give you a little a little background on how this book came to be. I don't know. Love if that... it. Please do. Yes. That's great. So I'm, I have my editor, my editor, Jen and I, we usually brainstorm ideas. Like we'll get on the phone. We'll just talk about different ideas, different settings, different okay. kind of kicking off points for a book. Sometimes it's a title. So sometimes she'll, she'll suggest a title. In this case, Jen was talking about her neighborhood block parties. So where she grew up, the, the, you know, the, the barbecues and the lawn games and all that. And it reminded me of my childhood. So I grew up in that time when we got off the bus, went right home, got on our bikes, got together with our friends, rode around, played football in the backyard or other kind of, you know, hide and seek kind of games. And, and we would, we would gather on the street as uh you know a little neighborhood we they were all my best friends on the street we were just kind of a, a collective and as a kid it was idyllic it was just fun it was just what i knew and then i become an adult and i realize oh you know i see my neighborhood differently now because i know what's happened to all 
those people. There was divorce. There was alcoholism. There was infidelity. There was all these dramas unfolding out of view behind the closed doors. And so when Jen mentioned the neighborhood block party and I thought about my own street, I thought, well, you know, this is this is a great place to set to set up a story where where it's both the idyllic and the nostalgia that we all can connect with, as well as these darker forces at play. And so that that was kind of the 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 kicking off point, if you will, for why I wrote the Black Party. And there was another piece to that that I was going to share with you. And then I got so, so caught up in my nostalgia and my own. Memory. I love it. I yes. I forgot what it was, but we'll uh, loop back around. I'm It'll sure. be fine. You'll remember later. Okay. Yeah. Well, I love hearing that though, about how people come up with ideas, because especially for a novel that has always intimidated me. Like, how do you, how do you think of what you're going to write about? So just taking something like that, that you, especially something where there's a disparity between what you see or what you see and what's actually happening, like that delta right there, there's always so much in there that you can write about and explore. Yeah, I mean, for for book fans or, you know, everybody listening to this is obviously a book fan, but for the writers mm-hmm. that are also, you know, listening, the engine of a story is conflict. Mm. Without conflict, your story just can't move forward. And so really what you're always looking to do is create relatable characters, but then interweave uh, the conflicts between them. And that is really how the story, you know, starts to take shape. So all of the the characters in the book, from the alcoholic mom to the rebellious teen daughter to the hyper-competitive neighborhood dad to the, you know, the one everyone envies, all of these people have some kind of relatability to them. And then what you need to do as the writer is to find out, well, where are the points of conflict? Where can we have the intersections come in where we can get the drama? Um, yes. And that's that's when you start to get people turning the page. You think you want to know the answer to the, to the mystery, but really what you want to know is how do these little conflicts resolve? Because they're conflicts that I'm familiar with in my life. 100%. I love that you used that word relatable because I never would have put my finger on it that that's what you need in those characters, but especially in this arena, you know, you want of realistic fiction, you want to read and see your neighbors and people you might know in there. And that's right. I think what really makes it so compelling too is that it's it doesn't feel far off from the neighborhood you know. Right. If you, you know, if you want to write like I'm I'm a big fan of Lee Child. Mm, yes. And, and uh, you know, I don't know if this will be out on video, this conversation will be out on video, but you probably could guess that I don't look anything like Jack Reacher. I'm nothing like Jack Reacher. <laughs> I'm like the anti-Jack Reacher. But yet I can still re- relate to Jack Reacher, but on a, you know, it's more fantasy, right? It's aspirational. It's what it's what you could imagine yourself to be. But in a book like this, if I put Jack Reacher in the neighborhood and I have your six foot five Goliath who can do superhuman feats, it, it's going to change how you relate to the story. So every single character, every single person has to be something that you can relate to. Even there's the relationship between Letty and the, and the new boy who moves in across the street, Jay. Well, yes. we, all, we all know that unapproachable, mysterious person that we want to get to know better that they have little hints of danger to them 
and and we were kind of eager to to dip our toe in that water and see what happens. And those are those are the kinds of characters I love to write because that I just pull from my own life and my own life experience. I you know I lived long enough to have had plenty of encounters with plenty of different kinds of people. So indeed, it shows too that I mean you're to your point, like you said, you you know as you get older, you have just a sense of all the different sorts of people that live in the world and inhabit it. And then understanding those, that interplay, like Letty sort of, you know, yeah, wants to dip her toe in there. And I will say also as a mom of teenagers, I was like, oh my gosh, make good choices, everyone. Yeah, you, yeah, right. Like I I still say that to my kids. I have a 19 year old and I'm that, you know, when he's leaving the house to drive to wherever, I'm like, make good choices, make good choices. Just, you can't help, but still always feel like the parent. And I think at some point in that book, Letty kind of realized that that is, you know, her parents just care, even if they Mm. do the wrong things, say the wrong things, act the wrong way, they are doing it. They're trying to do it from a place of love. So, you know, it's really at the end of the book, I want everyone to feel like you could have compassion pretty much for everybody. Yes. Almost everybody. There's yeah. There's some that you kind of can. Some less than others. Some less than others. But, but yes, I, yes, you, ha- I think within this book, there are so many different characters to find compassion for. And some of which are surprising. And do you remember when you said we'd come around? And Yes, I, I did. So it would now, happen. Here we go. So compassion. So Jen talks about, uh, Jen and I mentioned, Jen mentions the block party. Okay. I like, okay, let's. Let's create the dark, mix it in with the light. Really yeah. fun. This is around COVID time that we're having. I'm having this conversation. COVID's pretty much still just everywhere. Right. I couldn't bring myself to write a dark story. Mm. I just didn't want to do it. I yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of felt like there was a little guidance, a voice guiding me, if, yeah. if you will, saying to lighten the tone. And so that's really what I wanted to do with the book. So I wanted to combine the relatable characters, the nostalgia for kind of simpler days and simpler times, and then, you know, couple that with the behind the closed door stuff. So, so really the tone of the book, I think is, is very important. And, yeah. you know, I hope that's something I want readers to know, you know, you're not going to go into this, getting this kind of like repulsive feeling of, of dread, which, you know, a lot of these darker thrillers, like there's the, you know, around any corner is, is your imminent demise. Like I wanted it to feel more light and more kind of summery in in that way, a little bit more of a, of a summer breeze, but that, that hint of menace was, was always there. And I think that's what Leanne does beautifully as well in, in her, in her books. There's just kind of an undercurrent of menace, but yet you never felt like you left the the breezy world of the privileged parents trying to guide their young progeny through, you know, grammar school or whatever. <laughs> it's wherever so true. They were in big little lies. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're exactly right, though. I never even thought about that. But I think this, uh, I think this book, I, for certain books, if they are too dark, it's too stressful for me, right? Like, right. I just can't. And you're exactly right that after COVID, I think, you know, we've seen an explosion in romance and we've seen just people Rom-coms. Need, yes. Rom-coms are everywhere now. Yeah. So I, I actually think this book is, straddles the world of rom-com and suspense yes Um, and i i don't know if there's a lot of books like that out there and i'd be fine if i'm if i if it starts a trend like let's go let's get more of these books out there yes Um, because it gives the i think the thing that i really liked about it was its depth and i think just kind of looping back around we were talking about the lives of teenagers but that's something you did so well because the characters really do feel very not only relatable but believable. I yeah. I believe well, that you. what they're doing makes sense to who they are, whether or not I want them to do that because I want them to make different choices sometimes. But that's just how I read a book, like a weird control freak. Right, so, and the, and the tricky. Uh, thank you, by the way. For that. Of course, a, a tricky a tricky thing with this particular novel is there's not three characters. This is a yes. neighborhood. Yep. So we've got, we are at the end of a cul-de-sac. So we have house one, house two, house three, house four. I mean, I think there could be 15, 15 characters and they all play an important role in the story. And it's a multi-layered role that some of them, some of them play. So that's a, you know, to, to be able to keep the plot going, advance the story and deliver all these characters, but still have them be relatable and yet distinct enough that you can remember them. And you can, that's where it gets to be. That's a little, that was tricky. I have to say, like, it was a big bite of the apple that I took. And I was, there were moments while I was writing it where I'm chewing on the apple. <laughs> it was too big a bite. It's too big a bite. <laughs> I love that game. When I'm sitting in front of the computer thinking, this is never going to work. <laughs> right? Right? Yes. You just, you just kind of go. How am I going to pull? <laughs> yeah. How, how am I going to pull this up? Uh, yeah. And you know, it's one of those books, also, where it goes back in time. Yes. 
And so that is something that, and not only goes back in time, but I, I think it's a, it's a year, it's a year. We do an yes. entire year. An entire year. I, I really like how you sectioned the book though. It made it really, um, easy to track because otherwise I think that really would have gotten confusing because we're talking about a Memorial Day block party and right. then we're going back. And I also really liked how you used uh, the community message boards. Those really made me laugh and they were perfect. Uh, they were perfectly placed where they were. So you have it divided into the seasons. I did it by season. That's right. Right. Uh, but I think that also the message boards that are in there and everything, I just, it was a delight to read. Oh yeah. So fun. Thank you. So I, let's talk about those. Cause yeah, I want to, those hear. were great uh, from, from, you know, and I don't mean that as like, Oh, you know, I'm so great. Community message boards. Are I mean, you great. are, but still. Community I message boards are great. <laughs> They're incredible. They're incre like if you, so Mary Higgins Clark once said, and I, I've taken this to heart. Like she, she said, if you're a crime writer and you don't read the New York post, you're not doing your job. And I'm like, <laughs> I am down with, I have a literary exterior, but a, a tabloid heart. I mean, that's oh, how I, I it. It's what I love. I am endlessly fascinated by people. I'm endlessly fascinated by their choices, by their words, by how they defend themselves, by how they attack, by how they retreat, like all of it. Just, just it's endlessly amusing to me. So I'll go on community boards just in my town and just read. I don't, I'm like a lurker. I'm lurking. I'm <laughs> oh, together. I love it. Yep. Yeah. I'm like, OMG. And there was a time <laughs> where I admit, I fully admit I'm making a confession. I engaged. I was out there. I was you were putting my opinion out there just like these. And I am reformed. It has been, <laughs> I don't even know how many months since my last post, but it I am out of the game of engaging, but I have not lost my love of reading these people. So the point, so what I realized I had to do, there's a couple of things that was, that were happening. One is I'm going back, I'm doing a year mm -hmm. very hard to do, to keep a story going over a year. So, okay. The seasons are, seem like a very natural way to divide our time. We're all familiar with, sure. you know, how the seasons determine our actions, our behaviors, our events, our happenings. And so I could build a, a world around the changing of the seasons. But then I realized, Hey, you know, there, the book starts, and I'll give this this away. The book starts with a murder. It's very mm -hmm. clear, or a crime, we should say. Crime, yes. Starts with a crime, and then we soon find out right after it's a homicide in a, yes. in a sleepy little place called Meadowbrook, Massachusetts. Now, Meadowbrook does not exist. Is there is no town on Google Maps called Meadowbrook, Massachusetts? So, and I did that because I really wanted this to be every, anywhere, everywhere, USA. And mm -hmm. I knew as we were going through the year, the season, the different seasons, that we were going to lose sight of the fact that a terrible crime has taken place. And that's a, really a big part of the plot of the book. And so mm -hmm. we had to keep coming back to the crime. And so the, the community forums started to function as my Greek chorus. And they were the yes. they were the ways that I could kind of bring you back into, hey, it's a crime. Hey, something terrible's happened. Let's not forget about why we're why we're here. Let's let's mm -hmm. remember why we're here. But then they gave me an opportunity to to show the interplay between just 
kind of our friends and neighbors. So a little bit more of that relatability. So we have just, you know, the, the antagonist, the gossip, the, you know, completely out in left field, not following the conversation person, <laughs> you know? And so we, yes. we kind of have all these different characters who are really characters that we're familiar with from our own community forum. So that, that really adds to the idea that this story could take place in your town. And that's kind of what I wanted as well from the book. So the, the, the forms were super important. Mm. That. I really am appreciating hearing all this because it's so satisfying. It's so readable. And that is because of all the thought and intention that you had behind it and that you've put into it. So listening to you talk about really the art of storytelling is so fascinating for me. Uh, I am just loving hearing about the, this. That's the joy for me because how, how I can capture a reader and, and, and make them fall in love with a story. It's just such a, a magic trick. It's just endless. It's just full of endless possibility and, and the thought that has to go into every word and every mm-hmm every every paragraph and every scene and how it all has to weave together and then how it all has to make sense in the end and how it ha- you have to keep turning the pages and i you know back to any writers out there listening to this you know you you have to remember you're asking somebody to spend 6 7 hours with you i don't know how long it took you to read the book but it's not yeah. not like watching a movie no no but it's more like yes. you're you're binging at least half the season of something yeah, 100%. And that's a lot of of ask. I mean, I I have a hard time making breakfast, doing the laundry, getting to the gym, getting to my computer, walking the dog. My day is full. Yes. And so I'm at, I I just always remember I'm asking a lot of you the reader. So I'm not going to I'm I'm always going to keep that front and center as I'm as I'm going through my day and my work to say how do I make this work for you? How do I make this work for you? Mm. Mm. That's really neat to hear about the way that you keep the reader in mind. That's a really lovely sentiment. And you're right, for writers out there, it's an important one as well. I mean, it just, that's a good way to keep centered on why am I, what am I trying to do here? Right. And it allows, the other thing it allows you to do is, there's a phrase in the writing community called uh, kill your darlings. Mm, And it's really about when you love something, and somebody says, hey, this isn't working. Can you let it go? Yeah. Or you've fallen in love with a character and you have to kill the character. I, I guess that's that was always the intended meaning of it was you've <laughs> written somebody you love so much. Now you have to kill them. And, and But I've always right. I've always looked at it like I will wipe out what I've done if there's a better way to if somebody can show me a better way to do it. I'm down. And so I'm yeah. that's that's the commercial fiction writer in me, the one who's willing to say, you know, it's not about me. It's about the mm. reader and whatever yes. it takes to deliver for the reader is what I'm going to do. So I have my trusted circle. I have my advisors, my proofreaders, my editor. These are the people I go to. And when they tell me this isn't working, this is what I think would work better. I listen to what they say and then I can figure out, okay, how can I actually implement it? That's, mm. that's kind of my, that's the rewriting work. Writing is rewriting. Yes. That's such a good way to think of it. Kind of practicing the art of non-attachment with that, where it's just, if I can 
be its creator and also the person who releases right. it to be whatever it's meant to be, right? Right. I mean, there are no it's no wonder there are so many parenting metaphors about books too, because it is, or child metaphors, I think, because it is so true, right? They're ours for a right. time and then they're going to go hopefully live their lives and maybe call us. Yeah. Oh, well, if my book calls me, <laughs> I might need some additional help. I'm, I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but yes, in my kids, <laughs> I do want my kids to call me, but but once I once I pub, you know release the book, once my editor says, "Okay, you're yeah. this is this is good," and we're it's not mine anymore. It yes. belongs to some other thing, and I I just let it go. I don't own it, and I just always want to do. I just always want to do the, the best I can for the reader, for the reader, for the reader. And in this case, I'm looking for readers who want to be entertained, enthralled invested, and ultimately surprised. Well, I cannot wait for everyone to read The Block Party so that I can talk to them about it. And thank you for this time. This was such a thoughtful, valuable conversation. I know it's going to stay with me. So thank oh, you. Oh, well, such a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. And uh, thank you, everybody, for your, uh, your time and attention. It means a ton to me. So thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.